0: This is the Territory Story Podcast with Leon Logan Nathan and Peter Gowers, thanks to Ward Keller, the Territory Law Firm.
1: Hello there. Welcome to you, wherever you're listening from. This is the Territory Story Podcast, the weekend edition. My name is Peter Gowers, and this guy's name is Leon Logan Nathan. How are you, mate?
2: I'm well, mate. I'm well. How are you?
1: Pretty good. Fired up. Fired up, as always. Yes, well, weekends with well, she is always a time to be fired up, isn't (laughs) it? It sure is, so I guess we should uh, introduce the man himself from the NT Independent Online Newspaper, Christopher Walsh. Hello there.
0: Hey, guys. Good to see you both again. You too. Yeah, It's been so, uh, a crazy week. <laughs> well,
2: mate, to be honest with you, I've been sort of monitoring what you've been putting out, and uh, the... Uh the volume is certainly nowhere near the levels that it was towards the end of last year. I figured that you were sort of easing your way back into it.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well that's it. It's just that uh, some of this stuff's a little more um detailed, I guess, or complex. He's, and just he's gone undercover. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's all it's all right are some of the stories this the past couple of weeks. So uh Yeah, anyway, yeah, I'm sure it'll ramp up here. You know, that's just typically how it goes. And You get into February and everybody's back and the politicians start um, really causing mischief and madness. And And mayhem. um, Yeah.
2: (laughs) So, Chris, uh, story making the week. Well, actually, no, it's not. There's another story that makes the week. But this story... Connected, we, I have, think. we have been waiting and waiting and waiting for a response and you finally got one, but it wasn't given to you, it was given to estimates. And this was, we finally figured out what secret agreement uh, was entered into by the Ghana government and China.
0: Yeah, that's right. So th- this is something that's uh, puzzled and troubled a lot of territorians for many months. <laughs> um, and really it goes back to this, this trip in October of 2019 that Michael Gunner took with a, a, a lot of, um, business delegates, people from the, from the business community who were part of this trade mission to Shenzhen, China. Uh, what happened on there though? I mean, most of the people who were involved within that, um, in that trade mission had no idea that Gunner had signed this deal. They were there and it, and it really became, confusing and he kind of added a lot to the confusion so he gets there and he has this meeting with an undisclosed chinese official and and we get photos later last year of him signing documents and we went back and we looked at what the official statements were at the time and then nowhere did it say that he had entered into an agreement with any you know chinese uh government body or, or any group really we knew that he had uh, witnessed a private deal between gas companies there, which was all above board. And we, we knew that we had photos of that too. But there was this one photo that we had where he was with a, an unnamed Chinese official. And, and, you know, so we, we sent him questions about that. He refused that. You remember that day that he fled from us on the, uh, on the wharf was about the day that the couple of days after that story came out. And I thought, I'm going down to ask him about this. And he saw us and he hightailed it back to Parliament House and banned us evermore. Uh, so the questions have been lingering though. I mean, like a lot of people saying that even people who were on the trip saying, look, I, I heard it was education. Somebody said, somebody else said, I heard it was, um, some sort of uh, uh, trade partnership agreement, which sounds very ominous. Um, of course, you know, you look back at the public statements and things that were made at the time. Gunner has, although never being questioned about it here he has come out in favor of the Belt and Road Initiative, of course, uh, contrary to the federal government's position on that. But I guess in keeping with his uh, his role model, uh, Daniel Andrews, who, of course, got some controversy signing up. And Gunner was in, in, in China and Beijing, actually, around the same time in 2018, too, that, that Dan Andrews had first signed up for the Belt and Road. So that's interesting. And then, You know, there were some connections there with Andrew's office. So we we start looking into it a bit and we start asking some questions and we start reporting on things. And Gunner really acts strangely, right, at the time. So normally, you know, a, a government official would come back, a leader, and say, look, I was over on this international delegation. Here's what I've signed. This is going to be really good for the Northern Territory. Um, this partnership agreement is going to see this, this, and this. This is going to be the outcomes for it. This is going to be why it's good for us. Uh, he didn't do that. And, and we start asking questions. We start publishing photos of it. And he still kind of goes to ground about it, doesn't talk about it until he's questioned then, I think it was sometime in late July in Parliament, Terry Mills, then um, leader of the uh, Territory Alliance Party, he asks Michael Gunner in Parliament, and he says something like, "Is this another case of you getting into an embarrassing situation where you didn't know what you were signing?" He says and then and Gunner flies off at the handle, saying, "No, I know everything that I signed, and you're treacherous, you know, whatever for for going to work in Indonesia." <laughs> um, and it got really nasty, but he didn't say so. And then, well, then he says at the time, he says, "Look, it's a uh, it's a sister cities arrangement." Well, now we know that that's not what it was at all. So that, that wasn't true. I don't know if he misspoke or if he purposely misled Territorians in Parliament in that case. I don't know. We may never know. Um, but he at, the, at that same time where he could have clarified things, he was so angry that day that I guess that he was being questioned about it that he didn't bother, uh, uh, you know, pledging to table it, to let Territorians cease. So the, so the pressure kind of mounted and it kept growing from that point. What? What are you going to do? I mean, the only way to clear the air is just show us what happened. You had a lot of uh, other independent MLAs calling for that to happen as well. The CLP, uh, they get on board and they say, no, nah, you've, you've got to start telling people what's going on. So at Estimates, back in December, when I got delayed till December, uh, the question came up. Gunner seemed really perturbed about it again that day, saying, well, this is outside of Estimates questions. And then he started making stories up that he, well, he said he didn't even know who had a copy of the contract. Maybe education, maybe Department of Trade, Business and Innovation, or whatever the hell they call it now. They change the name every couple of months. Um, so we really didn't know what it was. And then all of a sudden Friday, they released something like 187 answers, 200 questions or something. And, uh, and there, lo and behold, it's in there and it's, it's not a very long report. Or document or contract. But it is certainly a contract that was signed um, uh, between the Shenzhen Bureau of Education, they call it there, and the Department of Education here in the NT. Michael Gunner's signature is on it, as well as is Vicki Bayless, who was the chief executive of the Department of Education at the time. And what this does now, there, there's a couple of things in there. Now, it does It does obligate. I mean, they they tried to say, oh, it's just, you know, uh, I don't know if they called it quite a friendship agreement. That's what we were worried about. But he's saying, you know, it's, it's just this thing. We can terminate it if we have to. It's just an agreement. It's non-binding, he says. Well, I don't know about that. I mean, I've looked at it. There's some things in there talking about um, obligations on both sides that... Uh, that uh, the commits both parties, one, to, to work together to promote closer relations between the NT and China. And then what exactly that means, they get into some uh, objectives, I guess, teacher and student exchanges between Shenzhen and the NT, uh, educational tours to provide short stays for teachers from partner countries to engage in, quote, language, cultural and historical knowledge and understanding. Um, as well as something called school partnerships with a focus on online communications for students and or teachers, uh, language teaching and learning, online face to face learning and excursions to the partner school. It also stipulates that activities and programs under the framework will be formalized in separate agreements, something that we don't, we, we weren't included with, nor were we given really any information of what objectives have been met. There was also these uh, pledges that they would uh, have an annual report of all the activities conducted and meet at least annually face-to-face or by teleconference to assess the progress under the framework. It seems like pretty ambitious and, and quite clearly that it was written uh, by the Chinese yeah, the government. I mean, exactly. this isn't the wording that... And, no. he, and so you got to wonder, right? Like the, the gunner, the gunner maybe start thinking that, Ooh, I, you know, I don't know what I'm signing here really in the sense that what am I committing to? I mean, at the time, things are escalating at that point we're not quite to the point that we were a year later in october 2020 um just last october november when things really started uh breaking down in terms of the the diplomatic relationship between australia and china but certainly at the time um i wouldn't say things were friendly or good but but gunner's over there trying to do something and perhaps he does realize oh maybe this isn't the best thing and maybe that's why he he doesn't talk about it when he gets back well is it political poison to say that you know you've signed this agreement you've you've obligated the northern territory to promote uh china to promote these these education objectives that really don't have any bearing on 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 what the anti curriculum would be that i can think of you know the other thing that i find strange about it all is that this is all usually covered under um the Confucius Institute, which, you know, has raised questions and alarm bells. There's a lot of universities in the States. There's, um, and the Canadian government's really pulling away from that too. And uh, I believe some in Australia have as well. Uh, this is, sounds like Confucius Institute stuff, right? About school partnerships and, and language teaching and learning and um, cultural and historical knowledge. This is all stuff that um, that's pretty much been found to have been Kind of laying the, the, the groundwork, um, for the, for the Chinese kind of uh, philosophy and the Chinese kind of getting their, their kind of soft diplomacy out there to the rest of the world. Now quite different. They're going quite hard with their, their what are they calling it? the wolf diplomacy now? But, um, certainly this is something that, that I think territorians had a right to know about. And the fact that, the Gunner concealed this for this long. Is really troubling. And, you know, even on a, the ABC ran a, a pretty good story uh, where th- before the election, lead up to the election, they had people kind of write in and ask about issues that, that they would then send their journalists to do. So John O'Gibson Gibson took one of the questions, which was really quite pertinent, and asked, well, what, what is the anti-government's connection with China now? So they listed something like four agreements, and the earliest one was from 1993 or four uh, that the NT government had signed with with a, with some sort of official organization in China, some sort of partnership, it was still on the on the cards. Um, the 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 latest one was I think from 2015 or 2016, but there was no mention of this one from 2019. Like this is quite clearly an agreement that was signed by both parties that committed both parties to do something. And the government didn't disclose that. So that's something else that they lied to the public about in the lead up to the election. We know that they misled voters with false financial information and that, uh, that COVID financial report that they put out that was supposed to be about the state of the finances of the NT the day before they went into caretaker mode. So here's something else now. I mean, they, they had that opportunity. They said, just tell the public what, what documents you signed and they didn't do it. And. You know, for months, of course, they've been hiding from us and I've still got complaints in over how they handled that. Like they just disregarded that FOI. There was They gave me part of the FOI, which was some other stuff, uh, expenses and stuff from the two Chinese delegations. But there were no, none of the agreements were in there and they just ignored that and didn't even give me an explanation, which were, they were legally entitled to or obligated to do. And they just decided that they didn't have to do it. So he's just ignored this for this long. He now slips it out on a Friday at five o'clock, uh, in with a whole bunch of other things. I guess hoping it will go away. Uh, I think we're the only ones who reported it, but that's not surprising. Um, yeah, just look, it's another, it's them lying again. It's them being caught up in, in something that, that, you know, they could have avoided all of this if had they just been upfront with territorians in the first place.
2: I'm just shocked at, as to why this was such a big secret.
0: If, uh, yeah, you know,
2: if all it was was a, a you know, a, an education cooperation agreement.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, I honestly can't answer that. Land. like, I, that's the 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 most troubling part about it is the, the secrecy around it, and it's never been explained. Why not just say what it is? Be upfront with people. Uh, we'll get on, unless, like I'm saying. I mean, if you think about it, maybe he. You know, Michael Gunner thought that maybe this wasn't the best thing and this didn't look good for him, for his government. Maybe it was around, you know, with... um with what was going on with Dan Andrews. So he wants to kind of make some distance, keep, keep some distance from it. I, I don't know. I honestly, and I don't want to make excuses for them because it's just, it's really unacceptable. I mean, this is, this is kind of covert stuff that they're doing now. And you're not informing the public of something that you're signing that's getting, that, that directly affects the public and certainly it affects, you know, the Department of Education and, um, and students here in the territory. So. Yeah, just uh, I, but, yeah, uh, open and transparent, right?
2: But, um, yeah, exactly. And, and so is the parliament going to do anything about his you know, misleading the parliament over the sister, sister cities comment?
0: Yeah, I wonder. I, look, I don't know. Uh, what did they, the CLP came out the next day after we ran this and they called on Gunnar to explain the secrecy around it. So I'm hoping that they do pursue that when parliament resumes in, in February. And, uh, you know, at least ask the question of why he's, he's he handled it like that. Yeah. Why? I mean, why did did he not know at the time really what it was? I mean, why did he say it was a sister cities? Agreement? It was clearly an education agreement. I don't know. And then, you know, the other question out there is, you know, there was something else about a trade partnership agreement with the mayor of Shenzhen. That uh, Convat Skellis apparently doesn't know anything about, but this was some sort of agreement on a future strategic and pragmatic cooperation. Maybe that's just a handshake thing. But he's getting into a whole bunch of stuff here that, you know, and I think we'll get to a little later uh, in the podcast here about why it's maybe troubling
2: yeah, the Michael yeah. Gunners overseas
0: <laughs> yeah. and signing things. But yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll save <laughs> that for a bit. Yeah. It's Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I find this really. Uh, troubling in that sense that, like, he really shouldn't be involved in this stuff. And unless you're going to tell people up front what what's going on, you can't you can't get into these deals. And you know, we we still wouldn't have known about this had we not been sent the photos. Had we not pursued this any further, so um, yeah. Here, here's a guy who was elected to be open and transparent. Again, we keep going back to this, and he's anything but. Areas he hiding deals he's signed with fo- foreign governments. So, um, huh, I mean, what is that?
1: Is it going to require his own party to, uh, investigate and call action against him in order for there to be any repercussions? <laughs> well,
0: it would be. You're right. So if he, if he does get called out on the, uh, kind of misleading parliament, it'd be sent to privileges committee. And we know how that goes, Leon. that, right? uh, uh, it's a toothless tiger, really, that, um, yeah, in this case, would have to have his own people vote against him, which they clearly won't do on other things that he's where he's disobeyed the, the rules and regulations and potentially the law. Uh, this is a guy who does what he wants with immunity and who's going to stop him basically at this point. So mm. who knows what kind of trouble we can get in before the next election?
1: So there's no chance of an impeachment then?
0: I <laughs> oh, Look, I doubt it. I mean, look, they, they they changed how they did that whole leadership thing after they rolled Delia Laura years ago, right? That you need to get like like, mm. uh, like 100%. Of that. it was. It's pretty bad, though. It's like three-quarters of the general rank and file of the party have to vote. You normally, you wouldn't want it to go to that either. You would think a guy would go. But um, look, he's he's doing what he wants, and nobody's getting in his way. So all mm. we can do as journalists is keep reporting on this stuff and let people know what's going on.
1: No doubt there'll be more to talk about down the track. Um, yeah. Looking at the second story tonight, Chris, the uh, much-talked-about Sun Cable Solar Project uh, have signed an agreement now with the NT government.
0: Yeah, what is this? Uh, like a $22 billion, um, they're calling it the world's largest renewable energy project, right? The solar project, certainly, um, which would be in the Barclay region near Elliott. Um so this is this this idea that you can take electricity from the sun in Elliott in the Bargley region and kind of transmit it all the way to Singapore. Um yeah, this is something that, that that's big that the government's pointed to is um, you know, creating a lot of jobs, helping to uh meet their renewable energy targets and uh and get some you know this is that, that that elusive private investment here in the territory that we've been we've been begging and crying out for 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 a long time um so certainly this is something that's positive now what was signed today was an agreement to to kind of facilitate a development agreement uh that would hopefully get this thing going now what the government didn't put in the release of course is that yes uh this is something that, that, that if it gets going, and we're still years away from it, it would be very good for us. But Singapore hasn't actually signed on to it yet so they need to (laughs) yeah so the the client hasn't signed up for it yet but they're going to (laughs) go ahead and start building it uh some of that that energy looks like we'll be here in the nt and we'll stay here but you know this is what i I was telling you guys you know we've kind of touched on this thing before and i said you know some people that i've spoken to said how are they really going to do that like there are a lot of questions over the reliability issues of that and how you actually do underwater Keep that current moving, like you know, get it that far. Oh, um, now Sun Cable CEO David Griffin, uh, he's pretty confident. He uh, told ABC today that uh, that that he 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 fully believes that they can show Singapore that uh, that it will be reliable, that they can get it there, that they can meet all of their concerns, and uh, I guess in a short period over the next uh, year or two. Um, I guess we'll see. We'll see about that. It's, it's, yeah, such a big project, but yeah. Um, you know, you really got to wonder the government puts out these things and they go and they sign some papers and you wonder if that's, um, you know, is this all just for show here? Or are we really getting any closer to this? But yeah, look, if, yeah, I think that's probably a fairly big issue that they need to look at if the client hasn't signed up yet and you're going to pump 22 million bucks into this. But again, you know, hopefully the government's not putting in too much on it because it's <laughs> the private investment on as long as the anti-government's not putting 22 billion in on it. I'm okay with really anything. They shouldn't put anything into it until it's proven. but...
1: Well, if anyone was putting any money into it, it would be, be the Shenzhen government anyway, wouldn't it?
0: <laughs> they may have an interest in it. Well, they've um, got the
1: cash too.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, so look, but but Sun, Sun Cable was saying today, um, and they seem to be pretty serious about this, now saying that they're going to prepare a territory benefits plan, including an Aboriginal workforce development plan. And, um, exactly how they plan to, uh, to bring in local participation to maximize local jobs and procurement. Something that these big kind of international companies do when they, they come to a place like Darwin and, and, you know, they, they're committed to saying that they, that they will use local, uh, businesses in, in every way that they can. So, uh, look, I think. We've got a we've we've been negative about a lot of things. Well, we've been realistic about a lot of things. It just happens to be that things are negative. Um, yeah. So look, I thought this was a good news story today. I, yeah. I wanted us to run it because it, look, if this thing does move ahead, then I think it's going to be really great.
2: Yeah. yeah. Great. Well, good. Good on you. All right. So <laughs> next one, not so good news and and slightly negative. Let's say our favorite Uh-oh. independent, Robin Lamley. Jumped into the fray in relation to a very topical issue at the moment, which is crime in Alice Springs. We had Josh Berg on on the podcast earlier this week, and um, yeah, I saw that he, uh, he is beside himself about this issue. Yeah. Um, what did Robin say?
0: Yeah, look, I everybody that I've spoken to in Alice Springs kind of. Is of that same mind that, that, uh, that I imagine Josh was. I haven't heard the podcast yet. I just saw it was up today and I'll, I'll listen to it. Um, but I know that he's, when he's come out and done press conferences, he's been, uh, you know, you can see how it's affecting him. You can see how it's affecting Robin Lamley. You remember back in October when, um, Shane Powell there, the, uh, home care worker who was, uh, killed uh there was a, a teen who had allegedly stolen a car who was out on bail at the time, uh, smashed into Shane Powell's motorbike killing him. Uh, he was in a coma for a bit, and he died and 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 that was, you know around the time when we were reporting, you remember that the, they had that uh, Parja festival down there, and they had to move things from the mall there because there were safety issues. There was, the crime was out of control in the government was like lying about it. They were just not, not being upfront with people about like stuff that happened, like two cars drove, drove down the mall endangering people's lives at the time. They had to move the thing and the government wouldn't acknowledge that until after. So I got to the point where people were saying, what is it going to take before the gunner government does something about crime in Alice Springs? Is it going to take somebody dying? And then, you know, no sooner are those things said that, that, that it, that it happens and that this guy's killed. Um, and, and I think that that upset a lot of people down there. And, uh, Robin Lamley kind of, um, came back to that today as an example and saying, look, you know, like this, this guy died down there and what the government, what the gunner, do? Michael Gunner, the chief minister came out and said, oh, this is a tragedy. We're sorry that this happened. Um, really unfortunate for everybody. That's it. So what, what, what Robin Lamley today did was kind of compare it, um, Gunner's response to what Anastasia Palaget done over in Queensland, of course, with the, with the two pedestrians who were out walking their dog, uh, killed by a teen uh, who allegedly stole a car. You know, the woman was pregnant. I mean, this has really uh, been all over the country here and quite an emotional issue um, because you just feel for these people who are minding their own business walking dog. They get mocked down. But, but the, what Lamley was pointing to today was really the contrast in, in leadership. That we've seen there so pelaget comes out and is quite upfront this morning here about it saying look this is this has upset a lot of people this has upset me where we need to get answers we need to know how this kid was allowed to steal this car or what the, the circumstances were around it she called for a uh, coronial inquiry and a full police investigation into the circumstance around the incident as well as pledging to strengthen laws to protect the community so so in there talking about um uh changes to bail, essentially, to, to bail laws, which is what uh the opposition and the independent members have been calling on Michael Gunner to do here now. Uh, well, for months, really, for 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 a year or more, is get away with this presumption of release for these young repeat offenders who keep going in and, and keep going back out. Uh so she's saying, like, look at this contrast in leadership. That's how a leader handles it. And it's funny. Robin Lamley, you know, <laughs> bumping up, uh, Anastasia Palajay, labor leader over there. But, but really it is a stark contrast. Whereas Gunner has disappeared from the community where that happened and, you know, came and he said a couple of words in parliament the day that that happened because that happened while they were sitting while, while parliament was sitting and. But that was it. That was the extent of it. He's never gone back. He's never pledged to change any laws to actually look into all the circumstances that led to this man's death, an innocent, you know, bystander again. So uh we we get into these calls for, for bail laws to be changed. To I don't even think it's so much even about that. I think that that what people are asking for is for the chief minister to show some contrition here to show that that he understands that he's listening to the people when they tell him how to control crime is not only listening, but, but doing something about it. And you, you got to wonder what he's basing success or what he's measuring success on. I mean, I, in, in 2017, you know, we, we quoted Josh Burgoyne today and saying, that, you know, Gunner came out and said it was all broken in 2017. Well, what's he done now in four years? I mean, what can he point to to say that things have have improved that he that he's made some positive gains here. Uh, nothing. I mean, he 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 doesn't come on and say that. So you know, he was on Mix uh, Radio this week, and he was asked, "Then look, are you going to look at um, at these bail laws again, uh, changing them, making amendments to them to 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 ensure that some kids out there? Because look, you've got something like there were between July one and September thirtieth, there were eighty youth offenders arrested." Uh, 32 of them were out on bail while they were arrested. Wow. So you've got nearly half of hmm. these kids who are out committing it are clearly repeat offenders and were out on bail. And maybe they shouldn't have been here on that. And we don't know the extent of or how serious those crimes are. But anyway, he's asked about, uh, I don't think they did those numbers, but they asked him about it. And he said, no, nope, no, nope, I don't think that's the issue. Changing bail laws. Mm. Did he tell us what the issue is? What's the problem here? Because <laughs> we've got this out-of-control crime spree. Now nah, he didn't offer any insight into that. He got the hell out of there. And, and you know, I guess to add insult to injury to people in Alice Springs, and, of course, it's just as bad up here, right? I mean, we we, we heard from these, this cafe, Mad Hatters, oh, yes. um, where they've had to close in devlin now Jason Han, I mean, he's just getting terrorized by them every night, and this is affecting businesses. This is affecting... Um, business confidence is affecting people's livelihoods and it just doesn't seem like like anything like Gunner's understanding this like it's not getting through I understand people's frustrations that he's not really responding to it properly and the insult to injury here is that he had written this letter to the Alice Springs Town Council that they got this week informing them that the best way for them to deal with the auto control crime problem is to engage kids in community activities and <laughs> Sports. He's got some money. Yeah, <laughs> he's got some money. There's money sitting there. He said, "You, you guys, come get this money, and you can, uh, you can do community activities and pay for facilities." Well, mm-hmm. you know, they've got that that drop-in center there. Uh, they they seem to be trying that. It doesn't seem to be working immediately. I mean, that's probably going to take a while. But yeah. that kind of response, I can understand the frustration from people in Alice Springs, and you know, you had Robin Lamley saying, you know, quite heartfelt, and she's quite upset about it, that, um, that that crime has never been this bad in Alice Springs. It's getting worse. People are leaving or planning to leave in droves. Mm-hmm. Our safety and happiness as a community is being compromised to the point where people cannot see a future in Alice Springs. Mm-hmm. And this is what you hear from people there. You know, there's that Facebook community Facebook page um, where the comments on that are, are similar in tone to this Uh just people that I've spoken to there, yeah, people have been there over 30 years saying this is truly the worst that it's ever been. And there's no there's no bright light at the end of the tunnel here. There's, like, Gunner's not providing them anything. And, you know, you, you think about that, and politically... He, he, he doesn't have any seats really down there anymore in Alice Springs. And it was a miracle when they got them in 2016. That's not labor country down there. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's the chief minister for all the Northern Territory and he's really got it. And even up here too. I mean, he's still, he's losing people every day up here. I think too, in terms of support when he's not coming out and giving them some solid, firm, tangible thing that they can look at to see that things are working because I'm sure shit. Isn't the, the crime figures like, you know, mm-hmm. like I said, we never reported those at the anti news when I was there and I don't report them in the independent because they're, they're, they're useless in a lot of ways. They're comparing year over year, at the same time the year before, as if that is some sort, is <laughs> that indicative of crime now? What happened a year ago? Like the, the criminals are sitting around on the schedule. Oh, let's go commemorate the anniversary of this <laughs> one. Like, you know that those numbers mm. can be can be construed any way. And um, what we know is that uh, people are getting hit, and people are getting hit a lot. Businesses, especially. Look in Alice Springs. The police admitted this that there were 25 homes and businesses broken into from Friday morning to Monday morning. And that's mm-hmm. at least, I mean, those are the ones that are reported. How many people just didn't even bother reporting? So you've got issues down there, and now we know that, that nearly half of these kids that they keep picking up are doing it, are on bail, and they get back in the system, and then they're back through the the, the, the system again, back out on the street. So I get people's frustration, and really, Gunner's got to come up with some way to handle this for people to... to you know, some effective communication plan here because right now this is this is not going well for anybody. Well, Chris, here's the issue.
2: Right? There's a there's a very logical timeline to all of this. We had the ABC come out and do the Four Corners program on the Dondale detention center. Mm-hmm. The, the proverbial hit the fan the very next day. A royal commission was announced. And I've just ripped up the Royal Commission findings and recommendations, just to have a quick look while you're talking to see exactly what they they had recommended. And in relation to chapter 25, path to detention, Northern Territory Police sometimes fail to comply with the obligation in section twenty-two of the Youth Justice Act to proceed by way of summons rather than arrest, except in prescribed circumstances. Northern Territory Police sometimes failed to comply with the requirement in Article 37 of the CRC and Section 4C of the Youth Justice Act to use arrest only as a last resort. Children and young people were held in police custody in the watch house for unreasonably long periods of time. There was no legislative provision to prevent children and young people in the Northern Territory being held in custody with adults, which would conform with Article 37 of the CRC. The Northern Territory Police and the top End and the northern of the Northern Territory do not always make a reasonable effort to find a support person who is in a parental role nominated by the child or young person or a lawyer who has a relationship with the child or young person in custody as a support person in a police interview. Now all of this stuff makes logical sense, right yeah. The problem is the way this has been implemented, the police are basically left with nothing other than to catch and release, hmm. right? That is the problem, and I can tell you, because I looked at this a little while ago, Chris, hmm. when there were all those submissions made to amending the Youth Justice Youth Justice Act, I think for every one submission against the amendments, there were probably 10 in favour yeah. of making those amendments, and all those organisations are now... Uh, as quiet as church mice, mm. with, with with what's happened here, what's happening in Alice Springs and up here, and that's what that's what that's what we're faced with. And so here in the Northern Territory, we're like a blasted pendulum, because mm-hmm. we go from one extreme with the CLP that lock mm-hmm. everyone up and throw away the key and get tear gas everyone and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, and then we go to the other end where it's catch and release. Mm-hmm. You know, there just is no semblance of common sense of proportion of understanding what community expectations are and balancing that with the rights of the child
0: yeah yeah well because but that's difficult that's leadership man that that's difficult because look you can't you can't look at a report like that and say that that's practical for what the reality is in the NT right i mean the other thing that they said in the united nations being on us all about that and the and the age of um, criminal intent being you know put up to 14 most of these kids are like twelve and thirteen who are doing this stuff. There has to be some way to deal with them, and I and I get why the government's you know doesn't really want to start changing with that and monkeying around with that because it's going to be easier for them to get through. But you those other things that, that that they're saying in there, look that that's led to it. That was clearly what was wrong with the system that led to some of the things that we saw there that were going on, but. The, the the people who are in charge of this place, that's their job is to fix that. You can't rely on these reports to just tell you what it is. It takes leadership. Some things you're going to have to reject and say, I get why you're saying this in principle. Practically, it doesn't work here, and this is why. But we're going to put in these other safeguards to ensure that when we do this, that this happens and this happens. And you find a solution. You bring everybody along, all the departments, right, not just police uh, attorney General, you need territory families in there. And, look, they, you know, they've talked about that, and he talks about this generational change, Michael Gunner does, but nobody's seen that. And if we've got to wait around for 25 years to see generational change, he's, that's not going to work. And it's, it's just – It's not going it, to happen. It's a failure it's not of not gonna It's going to happen in 25 a, years. No, because, no, it's not. And the because there's nothing going.
2: that's changing out there in the communities.
0: Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, and he, he's not pointed to anything. He can't show us anything that he's made better in this time. I mean, he's he's taken some of the recommendations of, of that report, and not all of them, but some of them, whatever they thought was easy enough that they could put in there, and it's not working, and it's clearly not working. So at some point, you've got to go back and look at it and say, okay, why isn't this working? What is failing here how do we address it but there just seems to be no appetite to do that like he's never come out and said that at any time either we know the system's broken we got to fix this he said we'll follow the recommendations we'll follow all of that those recommendations from the royal commission and then what why are you people we're not changing anything we follow the royal commission well the royal commission didn't know everything those two commissioners uh, you know i think a lot of people thought they were out of touch and didn't understand the reality of, of what life is like here in the nt and how how everything is connected you know i'm not and i'm not trying to be disrespectful to them but when you're living here and you see this stuff every day you know that 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 there needs to be other solutions thrown in here that you got to get creative with what you're doing and find something that works because it's not working now
2: well just for anyone that's interested there were 26 submissions made on the amendments to the youth justice act right and i remember flicking through them and uh you know seriously there was just maybe one or two submissions at most that were not in favor of all these amendments being adopted
0: yeah well because but said, you've got pro- professional organizations who are doing that i mean you're not getting you know jason Hanna, no, shane Powell's family you know people no. like that aren't going to go out of their way to do this and tell people what it means I and mean, so, the, the, does yeah, that get lost? Their voices get lost in this? And yes, and the answer is yes, because we've seen that now. And when he's not addressing things in Alice Springs and people are leaving, that's an issue. That's a problem that you need to start addressing. And Jesus, I, I, yeah, they've got to come up with a communication strategy here at the very least to, to, to let people know that they're understanding what's going on and that they're trying to do something. But this, he just, gets away from it every time, just will not answer questions. Oh, I'm not changing anything. It's not a problem. He said that before the election. Crime's not a problem. It's not an issue. I'm not campaigning. But
2: well, that's because COVID was the greatest gift
0: yeah. to,
2: to, to this government that ever was. Yeah. You know, COVID came in, uh, communities were shut down, mm. and so nobody went to Alice Springs. <laughs> you know, there was no crime. Uh, there was
0: behind closed doors (laughs) yeah Yeah, exactly exactly so yeah so like i yeah but this is reality now i mean reality's it's coming back here we know we're okay here we know where COVID is we can see it it's contained and um we got bigger we got bigger issues really at this point
1: well, that probably gets us to a nice segue. We might just park the uh depths of the chief minister's knowledge for a moment and get back to that shortly. but uh <laughs> we spoke last week about whether the uh the n t s uh lack of community transmission when it came to covid whether it was just good luck or good design and yeah.
0: uh are people following the rules like I said, maybe we've been <laughs> lucky that people have followed the rules when they
1: yeah. Done. Well, we've seen uh, five people fined this week for gambling with the lives of Territorians uh, in a public health breach, and the NT Police have uh, come out and made a statement about it.
0: Yeah, uh, strangely, more than five weeks after it happened, too. So this is this is now back uh, back when Sydney was declared in the Northern Beaches hotspot declaration. So we're talking a week before Christmas. Uh, December 18th, uh, that was when they were asked to get tested and self-quarantined. Uh, these five people who came to the territory, they ignored that. Um, they, they, I guess, continued to go out. They won't give us the details on that again. Um, I do find it kind of weird that it's like five weeks after it happened, the month yeah. after it happened, that they're telling us now, like, mm, something's not right there. Um but again, this is this kind of stuff that, that, that that'll happen where you know <laughs> this is good luck. I mean, this is good luck. You had these yep. people. I mean clearly, but government doesn't even say in here. I mean, we we assume that they didn't have it in the end because <laughs> I don't remember any reports of community transmission at the time. Yeah. But they don't even get to those facts and that's just a real issue with police media releases that they they've <laughs> If they could just remember the five Ws when they're writing that stuff, it would be yes. a lot easier. But they forget <laughs> like who and, and what. What is the big one? Or why? That's yeah. the one that they should be asking, but they never answer that. But um, uh, yeah, look, this is, I guess, let's dodging a bullet again here. But these people had um, had clearly gone elsewhere. Did not um, self isolate. Uh, they were all fine now with over you know the five thousand dollar fine um how they track those people down how they give it to them i don't know i mean these are the details again that we weren't given and exactly Mm -hmm. how they found it um and how they discovered this this if when when they discovered it it as the other w um anyway two weeks ago you know we still we still have in this is still strange sydney still i think considered a hot spots, some areas there. Um, yep. still, despite not having it for a while, Hugh Heggie hasn't gotten around to uh, to lifting that. When he feels it in his bones, <laughs> we will be made aware. Uh, yeah, but yeah, this is this is, yeah, I guess what we were saying. Look, that people have come here, they haven't abided by the rules, and somehow we still don't have community transmission.
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: I don't Talking know I about
2: mean, uh, You didn't mention anything about him winning an Australia Day award
0: no and i wouldn't for him to <laughs> we, i couldn't we find it with <laughs> that <No. laughs> it was it was I'll just say this about that that, that the the nt is a long and story tradition of honoring people who have done their jobs in the public service full stop <laughs> he's done his job Mm. he's done what he was paid to do you know the other thing like i don't know owen was saying that the the jody ryan got an award yes sort of Australia day honor again Uh, i mean this is middle i think yeah well we don't even have to um do our jobs well (laughs) 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 for this now you just have to be employed in the nt and and do your job show up every day
1: it's based on attendance now (laughs)
0: Yeah, that's what what they compete. Like some of this stuff, like I it's just like, wow. I mean, really, the bar, it's the threshold here for for getting these things. I guess, you know, they need a quota every year or something to Mm. print out. But. um, Some of that stuff. Like, I'm not trying to be disrespectful to anybody. I'm just saying that I think that we all know we've laughed about this for years. And uh, is this the first year where we haven't had a lot of like old time politicians come out of the woodwork to get awards? They haven't (laughs) contributed anything to public life in at least two decades, but they show up and they want a medal or they want some sort of award. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just this is like a thing in in Darwin and the NT. We just give people awards for. For the basic minimum of them doing their jobs. <laughs> and they haven't committed a crime, I guess. So here you go. <laughs> yeah, man, you need a better <laughs> threshold. <laughs> I,
1: I think you're being convicted of a crime, don't
2: you?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Those are hard to come by here. The crimes are being committed there, and it's not being convicted of them. <laughs>
2: All right, we've saved so the best for last. Yeah. We have oh, saved okay. the best for us, and i got to tell you, you and I and Pete, we've had lots of conversations on this podcast about Gunner and his antics. <laughs> his antics. But yeah. I have to say this one takes the cake <laughs> at this point in time, at least. <laughs> yeah. I listened. First of all, I read your piece. Yesterday when it came out,
0: right? You thought it wasn't true,
2: yeah. Uh, And (laughs) I thought, well, look, because I'm reading it, you know, there's obviously there's no sound effects and there's no context and stuff like that. Okay. So on the way home, I uh, pulled out um, Katie Wolf's podcast, which you know she does the show, and then it
0: turns into a podcast.
2: Yeah. Okay, it's twenty minutes. I'll listen to
0: it on the way home. Yeah, yeah, it's almost too long.
2: <laughs> I it was it was way too long because you can only cringe for so long, Chris. <laughs> yeah, no,
0: no, no. you know, right from the beginning to the end. Yeah, it was. I,
2: I listened to it in stunned silence. Couldn't I could not believe that the person that was being interviewed was the chief minister of the Northern Territory.
0: Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I thought. Leon, even at the end, even at the very end when he says, well, I've been told Joe Biden has personally received my letter. Oh, but you haven't heard back yet? You've been, nope, oh, wow. so we'll hear back. He personally received it. He got my letter. <laughs> like, I, I could not believe that. I thought this is the final insult to Territorians here, that this guy is writing... You know, trying to be the, the president of the United States pen pal or something. And he's writing letters to the president, saying, "Bring the you bloody good insurance." Talk. Yeah, and we'll offer you a bloody good time and you'll be here and you'll love it and with crock insurance. Uh, and that was like a hendo joke for Obama years ago. Mm-hmm. And that they're still passing this off. Yet yeah, that was such cringe worthy stuff. Like that was embarrassing. I thought it was embarrassing from the beginning and the MTV was. was hopping on board. But then the fact that he thinks the people are taking this seriously now or something, or it's something to be talked about. But let's get into what what he actually said here, which was of this level and caliber the likes of which i've never seen of an elected leader before and i'll say that and it it surprised me and it shocked me and i i had to take a few minutes to listen to it a few times to understand what he was saying because he doesn't speak clearly either sometimes and he's kind of all over the shop with his words but um when i when i when i was done and i sat down and i had transcribed it and I thought, you know, this really is an example of that old adage about it's better to remain silent and be thought a fool and then open your mouth and remove all doubt. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The, yes. This is, like, he has done this. Like, people people are always kind of like, nah, he's kind of really competent enough for the job. You know, is he really a good leader? Is he a good chief minister? And does he know what he's doing? And this, what he said, what he said on, what was it, Wednesday morning? That just yeah, I think that remove that everybody knows now what we're dealing with. Um and you go look at our Facebook page. So, you know, um we ran the story and this is all just taken from Katie Wolf's thing, so we weren't able to ask him anything about it. This is all a mix. Um but it was interesting to take that part. I think they focused on the ComSec report, which is a whole other yes. issue, but um yes. which was crazy that he pretends it yeah. doesn't matter. The Comsec report doesn't it's matter. Fake it's fake news. Not even, yeah. He basically
2: yeah. said he didn't use that that phrase, but he basically alluded to the fact that Comsec, the Comsec report was fake news.
0: Yeah, like yeah. what? The replies. actual
2: hell, mate.
0: Yeah, and and then, but here's the best part on that too. When it came around to that, in 2015, they put out a press release chastising the Giles government for being third on that list and saying how poorly they're doing Compsec says we're only the third best economy in the country. So he knows how important that is. They all look at it. They know. So anyway, so he did that and they're focused on that, but this part I found to just be fascinating to, to listen to him. So he's asked, he's asked about, uh, about, this this kind of Navy being, the, the the Navy being fitted out. And I don't know why they went there, why well, she went there with this, because this isn't in his wheelhouse anyway, mm-hmm. right? Like She's talking about the Navy being fitted out with long-range guided missiles and other firepower to defend Australia against maritime threats in the Indo-Pacific region. So Gunner takes this, and he uses this to kind of pivot and start talking about, well, let's talk about the shiplift facility. And that means we're going to have more ships here. Yep. And the ship lift, I'll tell you this, it's stuck. It's stacked up at the time. And now we're going to have more vessels here. Like he's lying. One, it didn't stack up at the time. And there is a report that shows that that didn't stack up and they had to change a whole bunch of things to try and make it look like it stacked up. But secondly, neither the American nor the Australian military has agreed to use that facility for anything. And he's trying to make it sound like, oh, all these Americans are coming. Plus, the first fleet that he was talking about, the American first fleet, that hasn't been determined where that's going yet. It's not necessarily coming to Darwin. So he starts going off in these things, starts talking about international issues that he's clearly not aware about or else he's trying to mislead us all. And so then it gets into, um, you know, he says this, oh, we're going to have all kinds of vessels here. We're we're a defense town. Uh, we've been a defense town, obviously, for a long time. We're other towns as well. But, yep, we we're also the defense town. And, like, what are you saying here? So, anyway, and he, and he talks about being a target. And he says, you know, we, we were bombed in 1942. Uh, everyone here knows we've always been a target. But uh, he says, I think we always need to invest in the global trade between nations. And then he points to Japan and impacts opening here. And he says, and this is where it gets really good. So, he says, the current global, and he stops himself. And you would think at that point that maybe he's realizing he's going down a, a road here that he's not really qualified to go <laughs> down. But he says, the current global, uh, the way the world currently works, and I love that line. I love that Michael Gunner is telling us all how the world currently works. <laughs> that, is, that is just rich. That is great. So, and he says, here's how it works. With, with trade, that's how we avoid war we've got to have positive trade relationships. If you allow people to buy what they need, then they don't invade you. (laughs) Mm. So, um, there you go. Can we just just
2: just dwell on that?
0: Yeah. Yeah. If you allow
2: people to buy what they need, then they don't invade you. (laughs) So the converse of that is, if you don't allow
0: people to buy what they need, and they Don't invade
1: you. you. They do invade yeah.
0: you. Yeah. Mm. So so he's saying, let's just give them what they want. And then they'll leave us alone. No <laughs> one bother us. This is not a leader. This is a guy. Like, look, you know, I went and I didn't end up quoting anyone in the story, but I did make some calls about it. And I talked to some, some international experts, policy experts, who said, look, there's a very good reason that the Constitution is set up the way it is, that that. Um, that these issues, <laughs> these foreign relation issues, national security, defense matters, it's all the responsibility of the federal government. In fact, you know, state and territory leaders get in trouble once they start commenting on this stuff because they're, they're out of their depth here. I mean, this seems to me that this is the extent of Gunner's foreign policy is I'm afraid of China. Um, which at least he's he's clued in enough to realize that there's some sort of threat that, there, that, there's, that there's issues <laughs> at play but then to say like oh, just give them what they want and then they'll leave us alone I just, I it's
1: like that the bully in the schoolyard isn't it
0: yeah yeah I think somebody said that is he ever give me your lunch money and, lunch and I went money? back has <laughs> <show. laughs> uh, he ever made it to lunch, his lunch money? <laughs> I don't know um, I just yeah like I just I, I phew, I was shocked, um we put the story up, and all the comments and started coming out with pretty much what I was thinking when I heard it, but, yeah, mm-hmm. like we said, there's this cringeworthiness to it all that you know, and then at the end, he thinks that he should throw in that he's tried to befriend the President of the United States, so I guess whatever Joe wants, he can have too, um <laughs> and maybe he won't invade us, I don't. <laughs> Oh my uh, look God. I, look
2: I I I got to tell you um people who are listening to this should really do themselves a favor and go and listen to the the interview on Katie Wolf's podcast it is worth listening to because you can hear Katie Wolf being shocked
0: <laughs> uh,
2: and she almost well, has no words
0: uh yeah I you know I was thinking about that too man like when she started getting into that thing though, and she's asking him about like, like somehow they, they get off into thinking both of them that, that the threat from China is going to be like bombing or invasion or something. Whereas we should really be exploring in a conversation with Michael Gunner. What, what, what really is, what, what are the, 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 the the problems with, with getting into bed with China right now with, um with getting into these trade deals and stuff like what kind of risk comes with that because but they seem to take it like gunner just took it to this whole other level mm-hmm. that you know he has a he has a, a way of doing like you know and here's another example about this this was a few years ago we were down on the waterfront doing a this was like shortly after he was elected and at the waterfront and they had claimed that that they had the first self-driving bus in, like, all of the free world that was going to drive and it was going to do loops around the waterfront and take people. And, like, I looked at this little box and I thought, that's going to be terrifying for people to get in. <laughs> and not that it was going fast, but I thought, like, I thought of like women, like young women at night, like getting onto this box by themselves or something. There's no driver and they would not feel safe in this thing. And I'm thinking of it being filled with vomit. You know how it would be like on Darwin buses. So I said to the chief minister, Oh, you know, chief, do we have anything, you know, are you concerned about, about safety, about safety concerns? And, and he's like, well, what are you saying? Are you saying that this thing will like, you know, cause I said like, cause you know, there's no driver. And he said, well, what are you thinking that it will become all of a sudden self-realization? It will, it will, it will have develop a mind of its own and start doing things on its own. And I was <laughs> like, no, I was just worried about people's <laughs> personal safety on there, but he went into this whole weird Mm. Uh, theory that, that he had come up this whole scenario that like that the thing would become self-aware like <laughs> it was bizarre like at that time i thought man it's, he's either like this really big science fiction nerd or wow he's just out there somewhere else so now it comes back again here we are talking about something that should be serious and uh and and i guess he thinks this is serious but i don't know like it, okay, i need to ask you a personal question I, I,
2: I need to ask you something a little bit personal question what do you think Katie O'Brien would be saying to him after an interview like that? Christy is right. Christy, Christy.
0: But yeah, look, I. <laughs> I about this interview. Yeah, like okay, I mean, she's, a journalist. She, she's yeah, a journalist. She's a journalist. She doesn't know anything more than he does about anything. Like, uh, I, mean, I mean, maybe this isn't good, good, good media. Is that what you're thinking? Like, yeah, good Exactly. It, it just
2: doesn't uh, make you come across as 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 chief minister material.
0: See, that was always the issue, though. That like people who knew Christy well and stuff would say when I was at ABC that she doesn't talk to him about anything because she wants to remain completely separate from that. So that, and I was saying at the time, I said, well, that means that he doesn't have anybody then to actually tell him what's real and what isn't if his own wife can't do that for him. Who does he have that isn't a sycophant, that isn't being paid by him, that he isn't sucking up to him for money or something to tell him, yeah, well, you're, you you got to bring it back in. Most politicians have people like that. Uh, Gunner doesn't seem to have that. And, uh, and this is probably a pretty good example of that.
2: Yeah. Um, I, 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 was, uh, I was actually listening to Obama's book, right? Hmm. And he goes into quite, de- quite a lot of detail about this. Where he he specifically went out of his way to get people that he knew uh, either didn't necessarily like him or but but yeah. definitely had opposing views to his views. Yeah. Because he wanted to go through the discipline of actually working out
0: whether his
2: you know his views were right or not.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's what you got to do. <laughs> we're not seeing that here. We're not seeing that here. And, and, and like, I don't know who is advising him on this. Like, on, okay, so, but clearly, like, I don't think Michael Gunner came up with this on his own. Like, how many advisors do you think he sat down with and said, okay, guys, just explain to me our whole China policy here? (laughs) And they said, all right, Michael, here's the thing. Let's give them what they want and then they'll leave us alone. I don't know. Like, You, you know, when you got that one really,
1: you know, when you got that one really dumb, mate, and, You just tell him stuff to see if he will actually repeat (laughs) it? Repeat (laughs) it. Maybe. Just maybe.
0: Oh, man. Yeah, like um, maybe that was Ryan Neve or maybe that was Kent Rowe. I mean, like, you know, when we start naming these guys, I'm thinking, oh, yeah, any of them could have actually believed this shit too. So, (laughs) um, yeah, his advisors are not very impressive people. Um, And we got Emily Beresford Kane. And, uh, can uh, I Chris, ask, Chris we, Grace? These are terrible advisors. So I guess it makes sense. Anyway, okay, yeah. But
2: but just let me ask this question. Like, you know, we've watched what's happened with Trump, right? We've watched the fact that the Republicans cannot bring themselves to actually consider this. Any, you know, consider what has happened as, you know, inciting a, a rebellion, <laughs> right? An insurrection. We've seen the fact that they just can't do it. I am just waiting for someone in the Labour Party to break ranks and say, "Michael, this is you're you're nuts, mate. <laughs> you know
0: this and you're is not embarrassing. All of, all of us. Who, who are the likely next leaders? Well, know. you know that's the thing. I mean, it just keeps coming up that you, you well, you've got Files, Manison, Lawler, Bowden." Um, but that's all that's really been thrown around. And I don't think any of them hmm. are going to do anything about it either. Um, you know, yeah, like I mean, the, it's like the anti independent. You know, yeah. like the anti independent. You know, I've written to the
2: government about this, about the fact that they're breaching the code of conduct. And I, I spoke to Mark Turner about it. And I said, Mark, how, how can you come to any other conclusion about this? And I think deep down inside he agrees with me, but can't bring himself to do what's
0: right. No, because they got to toe the party line because gunner has got them in fear that they'll be treated like Scott McConnell and Jeff Collins and Kenny Vowles or something, and they'll be turfed out and their careers are over, and he'll ruin them if they don't. But, like, yeah, and that's just where it's it, – it passes, it passes that point of – it starts to become very sinister. At some point there, you know, and it's not just like something small that 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 he's not realizing the other side. This is like a vindictive vendetta. That this is how they operate. And um, but yeah, and in terms of the stupidity on the on this foreign policy, I mean, yeah, the, the, yeah, he shouldn't have any foreign policy. He should stay the hell out of it, especially now when we're getting into these issues. And if he's not taking advice from federal people. Then we're going to get in trouble. And this is what happened with the port. This is what happened with Giles and the port and stuff is that they started thinking they could run their own foreign policy thing here. And the government didn't take them seriously. They thought, oh, what's, you know, oh, yeah, sure, whatever, the port. They didn't even move it up to the senior guys. It was like these lower level guys, foreign investment reviews saying, oh, yeah, that's fine. And defense guys saying, yeah, that's fine. We don't even have to escalate this. Whatever you guys, whatever you're doing in the NT doesn't matter to us. And then here we go and we got this giant issue on our hands an international issue um but then th- this is what happens i mean but the same people can i just say this too? the same people who are on that board that they recommended the sale of the port to lambridge group after doing the due diligence well we assume but that they would have known what lambridge was doing and all the stuff that was going on there and you would think the the, the water geopolitical considerations that were needed at the time those same people because i've sat in a meeting with them those same people are still in senior positions the majority of them are still in senior positions in the public service now including the chief public servant herself jody ryan who was critical in that decision under the previous clp government to sell the port to lambridge group she was on that panel that made that call she's also on the panel that 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 awarded 10 million bucks to anti beverages on companies going out of business. But, um, yeah, we're giving her awards on Australia day. Uh, but I think we should all be concerned about this because like they clearly didn't learn anything. And if Michael Gunner thinks this is how, how things should, should go down, man. He's getting bad advice. And, uh, yeah, and I'm worried for us and I just want him to stay the hell out of it. I want all of them to stay out of it. I want anybody connected to the anti-government. you not go on any more foreign trips for us, please. Like, this is, this is, this is why, I mean, the the federal government had to pass this legislation. You can bet that getting back to that China deal and the education agreement, this is going to be vetted. This is going to be looked at under this, this new bill that really just solidifies the powers in the constitution of the federal government to tear up any agreement that a state or territory government signs that's deemed not in the interest of the country. And that's probably going to be the majority of them of this stuff. But I just, yeah, when we get back into that, we we can't have these guys over there signing secret stuff. See, and that gets even more serious. Not when you're looking at this, this guy thinks let's just sign whatever we have to sign so that they're not going to beat me up. <laughs> <laughs> you know? and that, so then like, did he even read that <laughs> thing? Like is mm-hmm. was he just signing stuff because there were cameras there and it looked good and he's in China. He wants to keep them happy. I mean, th- it just goes to everything. Just, Jesus, just stay the Every, hell out of
1: Everything on the page was written in Mandarin except for his name.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, I think that there there was something in there, and then there was an English version. <laughs> and there may be a discrepancy. They said if there is a discrepancy, then they will figure it out between them amongst them.
2: Yeah, um, I'd like to enough. see some of these labor people actually... S- stand up, put their big
0: boy pants on and deal with this thing, you know? I mean, this is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's starting to become like a comic, like a cartoon. You know, <laughs> this is not like a cartoon now. To the party
2: line cool. stuff yeah. is, yeah, well, that's yeah. what the Republicans are doing. Look at that. Yeah. They, you know, they, they took an oath to defend the Constitution mm. Mm. and now they're just throwing that away to protect their backsides in relation to getting
0: reelected Yeah, personally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for their own mm. selfish reasons. Throw away everything else. Yes. And then we've lived through that for way too long with politicians. My God, yeah, th- that's a big illness. That's a big cancer that's going on. this is self interesting We saw it here in the NT through the previous CLP of Giles' government. We're seeing it now with these guys. It's... J- Jesus. Mm. Anyway.
1: I yeah, I also... Th- I also think that the, uh, no more foreign trips needs to be extended to Disneyland. <laughs>
0: uh. That idiot is still yeah. He's still just nothing's happened to him. They probably gave him an award on Australia <laughs> Day. Um,
1: was a frequent flyer award.
0: <laughs> the same. <laughs> <laughs> the same colorful characters. Yeah, it's cartoon characters. I mean, yeah. Mm.
2: All right, Chris. I think that's about as much as I can take for a week. Uh, <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's getting weird. Slow
1: news week, you reckon, Leon?
0: <laughs> The quality, about, not the quantity. Exactly. exactly
1: right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, Chris. Well, it's always a pleasure. Thanks for coming on.
0: Thanks, guys. Uh we'll see you next week.
1: As Chris Walsh from the NT Independent Online Newspaper on the Territory Story Podcast weekend edition, weekends with Bolshe. Back again next weekend. We'll catch you then.
0: You've been listening to the Territory Story Podcast with Leon Logan Nathan and Peter Gowers. For more episodes, search Territory Story Podcast on all leading podcasting platforms. The Territory Story Podcast, thanks to Opie Dennis Digital Marketing, your local digital marketing agency.